1: Today, on Truth For Today, Pastor Phil Howard will give us some divine steps to renewal, part of our series, Divine Conditions for Revival. Stick around. Join us. Revive us, O Lord. That has been the prayer of many a Christian over the ages, And today, as we continue our series, Divine Conditions for Revival, Pastor Phil Howard will give us divine steps to renewal. Well, aren't they the same thing? (laughs) Yes and no. We'll take a look at both of them on today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Make it a point to join us and be encouraged to draw near to Christ. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
2: We want to look... Summarize uh, in the New Testament, I think one of the clearest passages that come close to saying uh, what God recommended to a desperate uh, church. It's a very Jewish church. It's even said to be meeting in a synagogue. And uh, it's hard to find the gospel in James. It's almost like the book of Proverbs. Uh, It's got mainly, you you feel, Old Testament ground. it's hard to uh, find Christ in every page. Cause James, the elder of the church of Jerusalem, is talking to this church. And he's talking to Jewish believers that are in the diaspora. They've been scattered. They're persecuted. Uh, they're being kicked out of synagogues. Uh, they're counting the cost of being Jewish believers. And in the midst of it, uh, he starts dealing with a problem obviously in that congregation that seems so severe and deals with problems. I don't know if it's their early Christianity. Don't know uh, what all uh, is causing this. Chapter 2, they're dealing with uh, favoritism big time. Chapter 3, he sure addresses the matter of how they're using their tongue. He uh, deals with the issue of pride and solving Obviously, issues between believers on either heavenly wisdom or earthly wisdom. And then he comes to four, and uh, you're just almost shocked at the conditions he deals with. And you say, is he talking to the local bar or the local church? Uh, Because the environment seems to be almost the same. Now, having been around some Christians for years... I've seen scenes where this would describe their local church. It had turned out to a war zone. It turned out to be uh, bad. Matter of fact, a lot of people are burnt on church. Uh, If you're pastors, you ought to know. I don't like pastors. Sometimes I meet people and say, I don't like pastors. Well, thanks, glad to meet you. Why do they say that? They've been in the midst of church conflict. and who knows what was happening? And you say this should never happen. I thought I'd never see any kind of conflict because I just love God and love people. But well, you got to be kidding! Uh, and look at what he deals with in chapter four, and uh, he gives us a diagnosis of their condition and tells you how sick they were spiritually, and then he gives a prescription. And it's kind of the uh, Second Chronicles 7.14. Israel, if you get in a bad way, humble yourself, pray, seek my face, turn from your evil, and I will hear, I will forgive you, I will restore your land. Here, James is telling them specifically what to do. And it almost would just fill out maybe what Jesus meant when he said, repent, churches. Repent. And probably these are the steps I call a revival, the ingredients involved in genuine repentance. And so uh, let's look at the condition. Uh, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Well, I'm always right. That'd be the first thing to say, huh? I'm always right. And believe me, that's exactly the attitude he's going to take on. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you. You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet. I mean, this is strong language, is it not? But you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says, without reason, that the Spirit, and I would take this to be capital S, the Holy Spirit, he caused to live in us Envies intensely. And then he begins to describe the path back, how to get over this condition. First of all, the condition a quarreling, fighting church. Did you know there is a quarrelsome nature in every one of us? Did you know the sin nature is incorrigible? The sin nature, according to Galatians 5, is full of envy hate, uh, jealousy, uh, or wanting one's way, uh, and if that gets a hold of the church as the way it should go, uh, most churches destroy themselves. It's not the devil, it's the saints. They destroy themselves. Two words used here. Uh, he says, that your desires are strategizing, like a soldier. uses that very word. And you war, and you have individual skirmishes. Um, and, and what is at the core of this? Why all this fighting? He uses the word hedonism, which means the love of pleasure. Uh, the love of pleasure is what was controlling these people. Two things were bringing the ruin, infected with pride, and their ambition was to get what brought them pleasure, forget any other agenda. My pride and my passion for hunger and for pleasure, and all that matters is that I get what I want. So you got to be kidding to say submit, you've got to be kidding to say it could be done any other way. No, I'm driven by pride and pleasure. And when that controls you, you're hard to get along with unless we always do it your way. And uh, it was a hedonistic church. Pleasure taken over, thus, fighting had replaced fellowship. Fighting had replaced unity. Uh, quarreling had replaced charity. And what a dangerous place. To go down and be spiritually fed. Very scary. This is on the pages of the New Testament, by the way. This is the Bible. This is a New Testament church. This is in Israel. This is a church. James was an elder, the first martyred apostle of the apostles. I mean, this, this is some. Don't say James didn't know how to pastor. I think he knew how, but he was handed a difficult assignment when he had to write to these scattered saints. Well, uh, he goes on to say, uh, you quarrel and fight, you do not have. um, And uh, what's your problem? Well, you don't ask God for it. You're you're not a praying church. You're a fighting church. (laughs) Uh, I don't need God's help. I can win this myself. And so, uh, prayerlessness uh, took over that fellowship. And you can't pray in the midst of a dogfight. It's real hard. And when the saints are fighting each other, they're not praying with each other. They're just praying that they might beat them. And uh, so, pleasure takes over. Prayerlessness sets in. And then, uh, he says, it's worthless for you to pray because you don't know how to pray. Everything you ask for is to consume it on your own pleasure. Um, Notice that. You don't receive it because you ask with wrong motives. And what's the motivation? Your pleasures. That's why I find every time we want to give something to the poor, the disadvantaged, the missionary... Someone other than ourselves, God always blesses us in outstanding ways. Anything you do that's not for you uh, smacks that you might know God. Because we don't need uh, anyone to coach us to get some more stuff for us. Don't, are you not amazing? Do you have any stuff around your house you don't use, but you won't get rid of it? Are we not accumulators? Are we not? It brought us maybe a momentary pleasure. And wow, uh, that's what Paul said to Timothy would bring peril to not only the times. I think he really meant peril to the church in Second Timothy. The love of pleasure, the love of self, the love of money. And that is an awesome combination. It's real hard to penetrate people. That are driven by those three things, and so uh, pleasure seeking, love of pleasure. You know, I uh, I ask myself, you know, are we are we in spiritual conflict? Is there a war on? I mean, not really, you don't have to agree, disagree, all you want. But biblically, if you answer the question are we at war or at peace are there spiritual demonic forces trying to destroy not only a culture but churches your marriage your home your peace good things I mean trying to destroy good things I mean I if I hear one more person I I struggle with reading my Bible I struggle praying and I uh, uh, and I'm just thrown in the towel what is it there's a warfare there, there's a, it takes a concerted effort to do it. It doesn't just happen. Pastors and I were talking before the service this morning. It's not a matter, and I, I read uh, one writer saying, it's not that we don't want to do it, we just don't have a plan to do it. And so we, we do what we plan, we don't do what we just desire, that's nice. But to move to it, there's a warfare to fight uh, pleasure, Pampering me, pampering self. Um, We—it's a warfare. You're either—I hear Timothy endure hardness as a good soldier. You've got to be kidding to think that that's what people's life verse is. Endure. What's it endure verse saying? The kingdom's here. Let's just have a good party and rejoice. We're going to heaven. No, Timothy, I have put you at Ephesus, and I want you to wear the armor of a soldier. I want you to endure the hardness that comes with your assignment, because I didn't call you for pleasure now. Pleasure, that's wonderful, and we've got more of it than any culture that's ever existed. But for the believer, he's never been told this world is where you cash in on the pleasure is not eternity enough. Here is where we labor. It's where we agonize in prayer. It's where we fight the good fight of the faith. It's where we fight for souls. We're to be engaged, and yet people don't... Uh, that is an insult to them to be anything but pleasure. I mean, tonight, more of our people are watching TV because they're tired. If we drop all churches, Americans will stay tired it ain't the fault of the church you're tired no no this world has got us running faster than we've ever wanted commuting kids take this that just take God out of the whole thing a lot of Americans are tired with more pleasure and fighting for time to spend their money so what a day what a day we face and so he says uh In the midst of this, a self-seeking church, God doesn't hear the prayers of them because they don't have his priorities nor his agenda. He goes on to say they become unfaithful to God and he uses strong Old Testament language. Isaiah 54 calls Israel the unfaithful wife of God. Jeremiah 3, he compares her to an animal in heat that will run after any other beast. And he said, you are my wife. I beget you in the wilderness. I betroth my love to you. And now you are as an animal in heat for all of the gods around you. You are my unfaithful wife. Strong language. It may offend your ears, but it's the language God chose. And so it comes right over here. People in this condition, he brings this whole concept God's people, if anything, God wants. You may not preach like Paul. You may not pray like Peter. But could he not expect you to be loyal to him? Just be loyal in love. You know, your wife doesn't have to be beautiful and you don't have to be handsome to have a great marriage. Loyalty will go a lot further than sex. And it will go a lot further than beauty. Loyal love. And he says to this church, you have become my adulterous people. You are being unfaithful to me. And uh, he uses a magnificent language. It's a difficult verse to translate. But the language is, God has put his spirit in you and God never, never does defend being a jealous God. He makes no, he, you figure it out. He didn't care if you figure it out. God said, I am jealous of what is my own. You, you may shouldn't be jealous. Don't tell God not to be jealous. I am a jealous God. I don't share my woman with another man. And I don't want to share my people that I want to be the husband to of Israel. And in the New Testament, Christ espouses a people he calls a bride. And he wants to find her as a virgin. Very graphic language. He doesn't want her to be violated before the wedding. And he says, you are giving up pure devotion, pure loyalty to me by these attitudes. The self-seeking. This quarreling, this fighting, this selfish praying, you've now put yourself in a category of an unfaithful bride. Powerful language. If you ever read Jeremiah 3, Ezekiel 16, Isaiah 54, when you read the Old Testament language, it is uh, graphic, it's heartrending when you read Ezekiel 16. And it is all of the betrayal of a woman that leaves God like Gomer left Hosea. Uh, What a serious condition. How do you get an unfaithful church ever right with God? How do you get a quarreling church right with God? How do you give a pleasure seeking people right with God? Well, James uses about ten aorist imperatives. I mean, if you love imperative preaching, James is full of it. And an aorist is like punctiliar action. I'm commanding you to do it. Do it now. And he begins to rattle off one thing after another. He first of all says, God is always drawn to the humble. And here we go back to 2 Chronicles. Look what he says. God gives more grace but to whom? Who does God give his grace? He gives it to the humble. He opposes the proud, and that's the pleasure seeking, self centered person. But he gives grace to the humble, and then he begins the series of commands and have submit yourselves then to God. Uh, I think the most manifest evidence of a person right with God is a submissive spirit. Submissive spirit. I don't know where you get it. I've seen beat down people, but that's not submission. That's like they've been conquered. They've been consumed. They've been run over. But a submissive spirit should be found in strong people. Because it's submission, biblically, is a voluntary attitude. It's never forced on you. It's a voluntary attitude. Uh, that's why i am I, I, grown a little weary of always uh, thinking submission is a woman's word. No, no, it's a Christian word for men and women. The women aren't the only one. Men are to be You younger men, submit to the elders. You young bucks, First Peter 5, submit, you men, submit to God as a result of spirit fill. It's a powerful word. You can only do it in the power of the Spirit to really do it. You can't do it on your own because your pride won't let you do it. But God says, I'm drawn, I'm drawn, I'm drawn. Any time people humble themselves under my mighty hand, I will intervene and change them. He said in Chronicles, he said all the way through the Old Testament, he says, your problem tonight is you're too proud to change. You're too proud to want, I, I'm fine like I am. Don't mess with me. I'm not like them, but I don't want to be any different. You won't be. You'll get worse. But if you want to be the clay in his hands, and you want to humble yourself and to imagine that you could be more than you are being, God says, "I'm inclined to you," and what will come about as a manifestation of that humility is, "I'm going to submit to you, Lord. Whatever you say, I'm going to I'm going to yield my life to it. A submissive spirit, uh, the very thing that brought Christ. He came to do whose will, His Father's will. It's a good thing to ask yourself. Do you think you're submissive? Are you a submissive person? Would you uh, would you yield uh, if you thought it was God's will? Uh, are you just pliable? I trust you are. It's our only hope. And then he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you, which is an astounding verse. <laughs> How do you resist the devil? Is the devil more powerful than you? In the order of creation, he is. I, I think he's smarter than you. And for some of us, that's not hard. <laughs> he's uh, more beautiful than anyone here. Uh, you'd want to worship him if you saw him. He, he comes as an angel of light, Second Corinthians 11. Uh, we're dealing with a beautiful, wise creature that there's no one here a match for him. He could outsmart you. If you can outsmart and outlook someone, you've got the odds. But he's more powerful. Wow, he's a powerful being. But you can resist him. Now, the clue to resisting him is the temptation of Christ. You resist him by saying, it is written. You claim a greater authority than you or him. The Word of God, it is written. It is written. I would recommend to every one of you to work on one verse a week that would just uh, exalt god and give you the promises of god's power memorize a verse a week that you can use in the arsenal of weapons our, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through god to the casting down of imagination powers <clears throat> second corinthians 10 five. uh first peter 5 7 uh casting all your cares on him be sober be vigilant be on your guard for your enemy. goeth about as a roaring lion. seeking someone to devour. Know that. So you just run to it. Ephesians 6. Just get some verses. It is written, Satan. And you can resist him so that he will leave you.
1: And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today. The ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available...